Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast, where we are dedicated to giving you something very quickly that will help you and help your family. What do we got today? So what is a corporate motto? Corporate meaning more than one, like a family motto. Oh, like the Hunter family or the Walker family. Yes, everybody should have one. One of the most impactful things a family can do is give everybody in that family something to believe in and somewhere to belong. And we can do this really purposefully and intentionally, and we both do it. Um, Our families are, you know, very silly and fun, um, but ours was because, you know, when we talk about our nighttime routine for toddlers and we say, I love you, I believe in you, and I'll see you when the sun comes up, we also add in a little, hey, listen, you're walkers and walkers are good to people. And whatever you feel is your family's identity, say it out loud and say it every night. And your kids will embrace the security of belonging to something great and having something to believe in. Like the family you're building. And sometimes it can be silly or fun. And look, emblazon it on stuff. We get pictures of the three household rules. We get a picture of the nighttime sayings um, emblazoned on all kinds of things. Some people put it on driftwood that they put over their dining room tables. I can think of one of our consultants yeah. who has one. And it's beautiful. Um, the three household rules. Obey daddy and mommy. Do not hurt yourself. Do not hurt others because we're bluets and bluets are good people. And when you see that, I mean, that touches our hearts so much when we see people really embracing that, personalizing it to what their family looks like and giving their kids that identity right. so they'll always know. And I want the voice that's speaking in to my kids and my family and telling them who they are to be ours. Mm-hmm. You know them better than anyone else, and you know what kind of people you are. Embrace that. You've got this. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the Moms on Call. They have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they're sharing their experiences as nurses, business owners, and moms with you, completely unfiltered. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. So Jennifer, you know, we're sitting here and we're talking about, oh my gosh, which episodes, what have we talked about? What topics have we, you know, we just did this a week ago and I can't remember. I honestly cannot remember what we've talked about and what we haven't talked about. And I it keep blows. telling you this. You I, are Laura Hunter. You, I'm Jennifer Walker. I'm one of your favorite people in the whole world. On Tuesdays, you love to come to my house and wash my car. Okay, I think you're going a little bit too far. (laughs) Just see if I can slide that in there. Come on. Uh, That's right. You know, you keep trying to give me six kids too, but I I remember that I have five. Okay. Whatever makes you happy. Five kids. I so relate to the character Dory. Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Look, you have five kids. This is the reason that you can't remember things. Like so much is required of you, especially when they're spread out in ages. So you have the older ones and the younger ones using different parts of your brain. You're having to organize a life in so many different ways at once that 
by the time evening comes around, you're just lucky that you know your own name, you know who your favorite person is, and you know what you like to do on Tuesdays. That's which is exactly. Come and wash my car. Well, you is keep reminding work? me. Yep, you keep reminding me. Maybe that'll. <laughs> I'll, I'll even end up at your house you washing your car. <laughs> you know the the topic this week. There's this perspective, oftentimes in toddler consults, I get asked this question a lot. So I was thinking about talking about how we're often so afraid of how our kids interact with the world and the environment around them. And, you know, kids aren't necessarily going to like socks right away, even if it's five degrees outside. And they don't like peas the first 20 times they try them. Or 200. Yeah, the first 200 times. Um, (laughs) One of my kids pretended like they were allergic to green beans until they were almost an adult. And finally, it just led on to us that that's what they were doing the whole time. Um, But, you know, we focus so much on that challenge. And I would just want to throw this out there. What if we just focus on the child? What if we focused on understanding them and being able to see what their motivators are and just being able to not necessarily craft a life that they love, but understand where they need to be pushed and challenged and Also giving them some of those things that they absolutely love in life and having that balance. You know, I often say, um, you know, winning doesn't take a lot of practice, knowing how to win. um, Knowing how to win graciously does, but knowing how to lose takes so much more practice. Knowing how to lose graciously takes practice. That doesn't always come naturally. So we get this combination in life of the challenges and the victories and being able to distinguish them all and not having this viewpoint that they should all be victories all the time because that's right. not reality. It's not reality. And I think so often as parents, we want to do everything right mm. from the moment we you know, get pregnant or we're expecting, adopting, whatever that might be. We want to get it right. And we not only do we want to get it right, but we want to get it all right, which means, you know, Every day, every night, every decision from the moment they get here to the moment that, well, it never ends, right? I mean, when when you're in that mindset, it's, you know, well, you know, am I going to pick the right daycare? Am I going to pick the right nanny? Am I going to pick the right, uh, you know, preschool? Am I going to pick the right sport or musical (laughs) instrument? Because, hey, you know what? If I don't get them in the right sport, then Mm. they're never going to go to college. Yeah. Well, we put this foreverness onto all of our decisions, and it absolutely um, undermines our ability to confidently move forward. Listen, enroll your kid in the wrong instrument. (laughs) It will learn so much. And you learn so much about them. And there is a really great thing. It's not necessarily about the challenge. It's about the child. And we have to learn how to do things we don't like to do. In my house, you know, the kids would need to do the dishes. And I'll be like, hey, you know, even when they were older, like, it's time to do the dishes. And they say, I don't want to do the dishes. (laughs) And I'd be like, you don't have to want to, but you still have to do it. And there's just a value in those things and even the sensitivities that they have. And that's really exhausting when you do have a child that is just legitimately has these, you know, sensitivities to the world around them. And you just feel like all of life is a challenge. And being able to speak to the heart of that parent and let them know that one of the important things is that, here's how I would often say it. I would say, 
if I could speak to you the way that I want you to speak to your kids, I want to be able to speak into your kids, I would say to you that you are capable of doing so much more than you think, and you are going to be great at this. Just give it some time. Like, you know, you may not like it, but you can still do it. And you're capable of so much more than you than you think. So when we have somebody to say that into our own lives, then that can pour out over the heart of our kids when they're in those challenging moments. And I don't mean to like Pollyanna this, like then I'll have the right thing to say every time life seems challenging. Not that. What I mean is having a voice that tells you the truth that you are capable of more than you think you are, and so are they. And so the focus isn't on the challenge, it's on the child, mm-hmm. what they're capable that. of. Right. And I think that, you know, we sometimes just forget that. And I think we just need to keep telling ourselves and be reminded that, you know, every decision is not going to be perfect. Every thing that our kids do is not going to be perfect. Um, and just trying to navigate how to handle that in a world that makes us believe that everything around us is perfection. The, you know, and I used to be kind of that way a little bit very early on. I, you know, I wanted that perfect house and the perfect family and the perfect hair and the perfect, you know. And then you had five kids. <laughs> and then I had, yeah, and then I had a lot of kids and then quickly realized that, you know what, the dishes piled up in the sink for a day or two is perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. And um, and I can remember, you know, Allison is one of the swimmers uh, in our family. And she, you know, started swimming very early on. I mean, 15 months old, she could swim, get herself out of the pool, waddle over, have somebody throw her in. I mean, the girl could swim from the moment she got here. But she did some, you know, summer swim league, and then she went on to kind of year-round swimming and so forth. Ended up swimming in college, and, and that was just who she was. But me as a parent, I was like, oh, great. And then all of my kids are going to be swimmers, and we're they're just going to love it as much as Allison does. And quickly realized that that was not going to happen. The boys hated it. <laughs> they were like, please don't drag me to a swim meet where we got to sit there for, you know, four or five hours. And they, it was miserable. And you know what? We let that go. We were like, yeah, we'll, we'll move on to something we're else. We're going to change directions. We're changing direct. It wasn't worth the fight. Um, but I can remember wanting them so badly to like it. Now, that was before I was doing 4.30 a.m. practices. So then you were was, trying to convince all the kids not to like swimming. Never, like, this ever. too early. Yeah, that is so <laughs> early. So, you know, public service announcement, do not push swimming. If, if you're, you're not, not a morning a, person. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Those, although I will say I am a morning person and mm. a night person, I guess, but... Used to be. I'm not anymore because I can't remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> no longer a night person, but still a morning person. I'm still a morning person. <laughs> and But, you know, some of the sweetest times were those 4.30 a.m. car rides when it was just Allison and I, and it was a sweet, mm-hmm. sweet time. But if you're not a morning person, do not do swimming. <laughs> do something morning. like baseball or softball or Ooh. something. But, you know, but the point of that is just because I thought – that they should do swimming. It wasn't something that they loved to do. And, you know, now don't get me wrong. We finished the little summer swim team, Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't something that 
they had the option the next yeah. time around to be able to make those decisions. And and the truth of the matter is, at the at, in the big scheme of things, what sport they play at six years old doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. You're not going to make a wrong decision. So let them do soccer. Let them do softball. Let them do track or let them, you know, let them explore all of those things. And and you'll find there'll be one that kind of sticks out. And uh, that there's places where they can excel. And I love what not. you said. Right. <laughs> like there's a value in not being the best at something. Oh. Right. With just uh, some of the seeds of compassion. And but it's so hard in the moment because you hate to see them disappointed. Like you just want to see them excel so badly. And so you feel the things your kids feel. It's such a different relationship. Like it's so easy to say, like for somebody else's kid. But when it's your kid, like it's intense and you feel it. And there's a value in that. So, you know, even though. They may be challenged. They may not, you know, necessarily want to put in all the effort and practice of, you know, whatever sport it was that you love, that you want to share with them so badly. Um, We often say, like, I wonder what would have happened. I feel like I didn't push them Mm. enough. What if? Yeah. What what if? if I didn't push them enough. And to that, I would answer, do you ever ask yourself if I didn't love them enough? No. If the answer to that is no, you're going to be just fine. And that's so true, Jennifer, is, you know, the love that we have for our kids is enough, even without all the other things. I've got some of my kids who never played a sport. That wasn't what they liked to do. It wasn't who they were. And, um, but you know what? It was my love for him was enough. He he he's he's more of my academic kid. That's just mm. who he is. And smart, little handsome, smart, smart. Little, little handsome. handsome is so smart. And but there was a time when he was like, "Hey, you know, Mama, you know, thanks for helping me so much." And I don't know, he had passed a test or something. I don't know. And he and said, "Thanks for helping me so much." I that's don't a, know. That's an awesome moment. Whatever as a mom. you know. <laughs> and but I was quick to be like, "Oh no 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 no." I don't want credit for your successes, because if I take credit for your successes, then I also have to take credit for your failures. And I don't want to do that. It's all on you, buddy. It's all on you. (laughs) And which is great, because I want my kids to know the achievement of being successful and working hard and getting that A or getting that job or getting that. But I'm telling you, life lessons happened more when they failed and when they had Mm -hmm. to figure out how to get back up and how to, you know, I've got one who struggled so hard with math. It was the worst subject, and it still is. She's in college, and it's still just a struggle. However, she got some tutoring, and she was doing tutoring two, three, four hours a week. She was, you know, trying to stay ahead, getting with her professors, making it through. And then to see her kind of kind of fail a little bit, figure out a plan to, to right. overcome she that. She learned problem solving. It oh just wasn't gosh. the math problem right. that got well, solved. <laughs> that she's never going to use, you know. And, um, and so there's something so beautiful Mm-hmm. about failure and watching ourselves and our kids kind of 
figure that out and problem yeah. solve and uh, overcoming and achieving and even out of the struggle. Yes. Out of the struggle comes greatness. One of the phrases that I always love is on the other side of awkward is victory. Oh, <laughs> you know? and I've got a lot of awkward. Right. Where you we, There is so much awkward. You have toddlers right now, ton of awkward. And it's just believing in them and being able to, you know, say that and focus not on the challenge, but on the child. And also as a parent, to be able to give yourself the freedom to also not think that the only way to produce this really great, you know, um, child is to be perfect. Like there's only one road there. And actually, it's our own as parents, missteps and failures. You know, we're going to knock some uh, uh, decisions out of the proverbial ballpark, but we're also going to make some mistakes and they both have value when we can go in, when we can apologize, when, you know, they learn about the beauty of the give and take of relationships and how to do all the things in the world, how to win and how to lose and how to apologize and what happens when things are not curated so that instead of making, um, you know, the world adapt to our kids, which is absolutely exhausting, we make kids who are adaptable to the world. They know what that looked like. Why? Because I failed first sometimes. <laughs> and that's so true. And I think that that failure is such a huge part of, of parenting uh, and life in general mm -hmm. and that fear. So, yeah. you know, as, as we finish out today, you know, what what are some things that that parents, moms and dads, who are living kind of in this fear? Because we mm -hmm. it is a fear-driven world. I mean, a lot of the marketing tactics that are out now, I mean, we're just always bombarded with fear, fear, fear. Um, fear of the unknown, well. <laughs> fear of tomorrow, fear of yeah. what's going to happen. Fear and sometimes of the message comes from inside the house. Oh, <laughs> right. That is Some of so that true. fear, yeah, comes from it's inside. It's self-driven, and mm -hmm. so you know what? What are some things that parents can hang on to uh, as we finish out today to make it through the fear side of parenting? Well, I think one of the things, some of the takeaways from today, especially, is if you're asking, I don't think what happens if I didn't push them enough? Ask yourself, are you guilty of not loving them enough? No. So we want to ask ourselves the right questions and we want to not focus on the challenge, but focus on the child. And I want a voice. If it's our voice, that's fantastic. If it's a friend that you have, that's fantastic. I want somebody to regularly tell you that you are capable of doing more than you think, that you're stronger than you think, and that it's okay if you don't do everything right. That is not what's going to make this well-adjusted child. A well-adjusted child is going to have to do just that. They're going to have to adjust and that means not only to us, but to the world around them. So those challenges are valuable and powerful. We love answering your questions. And today we're taking some questions from our Instagram followers. So always be on the lookout. We throw those out there sometimes and we capture those questions and we love answering them. All right, Jennifer. So today I have uh, a mom who has a question Toddlers waking at 6 a.m. while I'm getting ready for work. What can I do? Is it possible to have her sleep longer? 
<laughs> well, there's so many possibilities with that, but sometimes they do just get in this kind of early waking situation. And the best thing to do is we don't like to get the kids out of the room before 630. So, you know, they can be in there and they can wake up and keep themselves busy until you're ready to get them out. But 630 is about the earliest time we'd like for that door to open typically. But there are a couple of other things that can be really helpful. We want to make sure, A, that they're getting their energy out throughout the day, B, that their nighttime is not happening too late, which is so weird. So sometimes people would, you know, very naturally say, well, I'll put them to bed later and then they'll sleep later in the morning. But that really doesn't happen because sleep tends not to shift, it expands. So one of the other things I'd want to make sure is that we're getting them to bed actually early enough in the night that we've got that white noise going, it's going nice and loud, and that we can let them get up and kind of, you know, navigate their room for a little while until you're ready to get them out. Hi, my name is Spencer Hansen. I'm from Longview, Texas. My daughter is currently 15 weeks old. Uh, since she was born, she uh, if she doesn't get her bottle as soon as she wakes up from her nap, she absolutely goes crazy, starts bloody murder screaming. We've followed the mom's on call schedule since she was born, but we've always had issues with doing bath time before the feeding in the evening because she's a complete terror if we try to put her in the bath uh, when waking her prior to feeding. We've tried a few times. It just isn't or it hasn't been worth the fight, so we started doing the opposite. For example, instead of waking her at 6.30 for bath, feeding at 7, we just wake her at 7 to feed have to keep her upright for about 30 minutes because of her reflux issues and then try to bathe by 7.45-8, which then puts us in bed by 8.15 or 8.30. Also, if you'll have any tips for babies with excessive reflux, we've tried meds, elevation, keeping her upright, post-feeding, burping, not burping. It seems like all the things, and she's just not quite better yet, or if this is just something you all think she might grow out of whenever she starts solid foods, which uh, we plan to do soon. Thank y'all so much. We love y'all's course, the online course, the books, and we're still looking forward to the podcast. Thanks again. Have a great day. Hey, Spencer. I love that sweet sounds that are at the end of that call. And, uh, you know, at 15 weeks, yeah, they'll start to kind of kind of get through the, the worst of that reflux. Um, but there are several things that we just don't know enough about. Uh, from your call. So, you know, how are you feeding? Are you nursing? Are you doing bottles? Which bottles are you using? Uh, the nipples can make a huge difference. The position of the of the way that you're feeding can make a difference as well. Um, so I would recommend that, that if you're still having issues much over another week or two, maybe touch base with a certified consultant just to help navigate that um, and make sure that all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. And sometimes... Those are all done and it just takes some time. As far as feeding with the bath, yes, you can do, you can feed before you do the bath and then, you know, do the bath and get them down. But what I would recommend in this situation is you get, get her up because going to bed at 8, 8.30 at night, at night can sometimes backfire and, and cause us to not sleep as great. Uh, in the night. So as long as she's sleeping, you know, 11, 12 hours, you know, at least right up until about 7 a.m., then then what you're doing is working for your family. That's great. If not, I would recommend that you actually get her up at about 630. Go ahead and feed her half of the feeding. 
do that bath around 6.45 or 7. And one of the things that I have found to help with those babies who are just a little bit sensitive, because it's not that she's starving, she ate at 4 p.m., so she's not starving, is to actually get in the bath with them. And if you get in the bathtub with them, then a lot of times that makes it a little more fun and they're definitely more interested so you can get that bath going. But feed a little bit before, do the bath, and then finish um, that top off after you get out of the bath. And as far as the reflux is concerned, um, babies, when they're born, up until around four to five months of age, they have um, a little sphincter muscle. That's a muscle that opens and closes that is between the esophagus and the stomach. And it doesn't completely mature until that four to five months of age. So, um, you know, I just figured like, God knew we were going to need a little release valve for early digestion. So, you know, until that time, it doesn't close completely. And we'll notice at six months of age when they start sitting up that it seems like there's a resurgence of um, that spit up a little bit just by virtue of how they're designed, the physics of having a little bit more pressure on their tummy. So there are some things um, developmentally that are also going to work to your favor. This parrot has a question on mom's on call and schedule flexibility. And how can we have more information on wake windows, please? Nora, tell me about wake windows. <laughs> oh my gosh. So wake windows is that new buzzword. I think probably 18 months, two years ago, really started getting some traction. And and yes, they are awake and, and there's different, you know, times that, that kids can handle awake time. As they get older, it starts off at, you know, 10 minutes, and then it's 15, and then it's 20, and it gradually just increases. However, if we go by their wake windows only, what we end up finding is that every day is different, and it can create inconsistency. It is much better with moms on call to use our routines as is and hit those what we call C times, Jennifer, you know, those crazy <laughs> yes. day tips a couple of times throughout the day that we kind of get things back on track. And the other thing that's really uh, great versus wake windows is to keep that 15-minute grace period. You know, you can do a feeding 15 minutes earlier than what's listed. Or, you know what, if they're sleeping really well and 15 minutes can sometimes feel like an hour. So you can let them sleep 15 minutes past that feed time before you get them up. And if you tend to stay within that grace period, you'll find that you have the flexibility that you need. Each time is 15 minutes before or after the time listed. So the times don't shift. If you did it 15 minutes later, the rest of the times don't shift 15 minutes later. They stay on track. And you just, for all the times listed, have this 15 minutes ahead of time or after. And that just helps us to really play into the 24-hour clock, which all babies have on the inside. All of us do, actually. And it just helps that predictability. At Mom's On Call, we always like to talk about the good stuff. And sometimes we were talking yesterday about having an explicit content warning. Well, this is an encouraging content warning. Look, we are very passionate about spreading the news that your kids are strong, adaptable, and resilient. And so are you. So what is our explicit encouragement so warning did, for today? That's right. So did you see Shaq? Uh, he had, was visiting the... Did I see him? Well, yeah, if he was anywhere like... like you can't uh, help right but to 100 see him. yards, I'd probably yeah, see him. Yeah, yeah, you would see him and know I him. So, yeah. 
he actually paid off the layaway for a man who came into a jewelry store. Because he was getting what? So he was, Shaq was there getting some earrings. I don't know if he was there for his own earrings or if he was buying earrings for somebody else. But he was there buying some earrings. This guy comes in and Shaq said, you know... You could kind of tell that he was a hardworking guy. He was kind of shy. And, and he's asking how much he owed on this engagement ring that he had on layaway. And so when Shaq overheard him asking, Shaq paid it. Okay, so here's how I want this story to end so bad. <laughs> I want Shaq to perform the wedding. That, Wouldn't that be awesome? Okay, yeah. Shaq, get okay, on sorry. that and do that. But Shaq has a motto, and I love this motto. And it does, it, it reminds me so much of my dad. My, Shaq's motto is when I leave the house, I just try to do a good deed. Mm, I love that. One of my dad's mottos was, don't get people the gift they want. Get the gift you want to give them. <laughs> I don't know if that applies to this at all, but he's a funny guy. That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) No matter what your dad's motto is, you know, just doing nice things for people like that. It is so much fun. And Shaq, if you're out there, do the wedding. (laughs) And you know what, guys? it. It may not be paying off someone's layaway. It may be just buying a cup of coffee. It's the little things. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. Please visit momsoncall.com for more resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive this amazing parenting journey.